You are listening to Dirt Work with Adam Morrissey. Hello and welcome to Dirt Work. This is your host, Adam Morrissey. Today I'm blessed and happy to be joined by my good friend and rising star of the hospitality industry, Mr. Jaime Bravo. Jaime is the general manager at Hotel Bardo, a boutique hotel in Tulum, Mexico. Prior to his role at Hotel Bardo, Jaime worked at the Ritz-Carlton in Hong Kong and the Ritz-Carlton in Los Angeles. How's it going, man? Hello, Adam. Thank you for having me on, uh, on the show and for such generous uh, introduction. Yeah, absolutely. I was thinking about going uh, with Hospitality's Dark Knight, but uh, I don't know if that <laughs> would have been appropriate. Um, but uh, Jaime, very happy to have you on the show today. Um, to me, hospitality is really interesting because it's an ultra-operational form of real estate. And in the last episode of Dirt Work, global architecture firm founder Scott Lowe whose firm 5G has worked on many hotel projects across the world, but currently working on one in Bali, stated his view that the future of hospitality is boutique under 50 keys. So I guess to kick it off, do you think this is true? And if so, what's driving this trend? I think um, he can't be more in point. That's the reason why I, well, that's part of the reasons why I changed from corporate to boutique hospitality. And I think that uh, it was a coming and slowly coming trend, uh, especially in us, the younger younger generation, younger travelers, because we're seeking experiences. Uh, and an experience, in my opinion, particularly in hospitality, has to be an emotional connection. That's easier to find or less difficult because it's very easy in a, in a boutique hotel. And the reason why it's because in uh, bigger hotels, luxury, uh, massive chains, it's perfect and it goes like a Swiss watch. However, it's a script to some degree. I think hospitality uh, in boutique in boutique hotels is much more heart-driven and individuals have more protagonism and that's uh, what I'm all about. So I think that was happening before. Now with COVID, it's just accelerating tremendously because people want less dense population, uh, less dense spaces and uh, boutique hotels are the way to go it's also boutique hotels you can find them in more in, in more authentic communities communities that haven't been exposed to globalization that much so small towns in mexico for example or um, small towns in colombia or brazil as well if you go to philippines and you go to the smaller islands you're gonna you're gonna find the boutique hotels and the bigger ones you're gonna find the big massive resorts yeah. So you talked a little bit about emotional connection and experience. Can you talk a little bit more about uh, what attracted you to Hotel Bardo and the type of stuff you guys are doing there in Tulum? Well, what attracted me is that um, what we just said, no, that I think this is the future and particularly that you can do hospitality from the heart. That the, the way that's done and brought to, to, to Bardo, at least how we try to do it, it's, it's just to to aim to give our guests a transformational experience uh, from the name of the hotel Bardo. Bardo is uh, a concept in Tibet Buddhism that it refers to the state after death and before reincarnation. So basically it's where the essence connects back to your soul. So we tropicalize that to Latin America, well to Mexico and they have the dead. Uh, and we really try to celebrate death in a sense and deaths can happen while you're living so we try to do that of course in a friendly and happy way here in Bardo so just whatever you can give a guest uh, to add to their transformation uh, and that's what we try to do yeah how have 
hotel bardo and tourist markets like Tulum been impacted by COVID-19? At the beginning, dramatically, we don't have um, we don't have the buffer uh, that normally larger hotels have. But at the same time, we don't have as much blood as massive 700 rooms hotels have. So our blooding stopped quickly, to put it that way. For example, we decided in Hotel Bardo not to let loose any of our staff, but that means I'm not going to fire 40 people. If it would be a bigger hotel, that, that number would have been 400 people. So we can do these things. And now after reopening, uh, it's easier to get back to a pace similar than before because at the end of the day, we only have 30 rooms. It's easier to fill 30% of 30 rooms um, than the other, no? Um, yeah, I saw, you know, we talk about tourist markets and hotels in general being impacted by COVID. I saw Marriott in Wall Street Journal today posted their worst quarterly loss ever, which I was a little alarmed to see, but potentially based on business travel, I would imagine would be a big hit to that. Have you guys seen any impact um, of the gig economy and remote work in COVID impacting the guests that are coming to stay at Bardo? Um well, first, uh, with the first part of that sen uh, the statement is that Marriott is seeing the worst for sure, man. Uh, Arnie Sorensen, the CEO, two months ago said that this is worse than 9-11 plus 08 or 09 together. So it's it's scary, man. And I have many friends in that corporation that I have been followed or let go. So it's uh, my good thoughts to them. Uh, as for us, I think the market has completely changed. Because before, like I said at the beginning, we had 22% Americans, 30% Europeans, and then the rest of the world. That 30% stopped existing. There's no, no European travelers coming here. I think people don't want to jump into planes for such a long haul. Um, so we need to adapt to, to more Americanized um, uh, expectations. You know what I mean? Still being authentic, but uh, just cater to the guest. Yeah, what are some ways you guys are doing that? Uh, well, just today we added a few menus to the um, items to the menu. Sorry, so we added a black burger because our color is black in, sure, in sure. the name of death. Um, also, more steaks and like on the food and beverage aspect, we have different concepts of cocktails that have been a hit in the states, particularly in New York. That that's our main guests. Yeah. Uh, location aside from that uh, not much americans are great they love uh, to engage and they're open to, to talking to to our associates our bardonians so so just enjoying the ride yeah you you mentioned uh colleagues at marriott and you know your past experience has been in bigger cities namely hong kong and los angeles do you see you know from your network and hospitality differences between resorts and more destinations and cities and how the hotels have been impacted by the coronavirus? I would say completely. I think resorts are the least hit, uh, even though they're also extremely affected. I think cities are, they're gonna have the worst, man. Um, business travel will forever change, not only because, because, because of COVID, but also because we discovered through COVID that you can work from home. Yeah, so yeah, I think, we did. 
similar after 08 or 09, man. People before the expat packages were like, yeah, you fly business if you come with us, etc., etc. After 08 or 09, all those perks fell off. And I think that will just decrease more now. Did you see guests? Have you seen stays lengthen? Absolutely, man. At, at Bardo with this, you said it, the idea that, you know, we found out that people can work from basically wherever. So I know we have a small sample size, but is that something that the data shows? Absolutely. Before our uh, average length of stay was 3.2 nights. Now it's 4.9. Okay. Yeah, pretty substantial, so, 20% or so. That's no more, more than 20, say 40, but yeah. And, uh, and I've never been asked so many times how my internet connection is, how stable it is. And of course, it's because people are coming here to, to work. And also, we have some people in master degrees that their classes will be online for this semester. So they just came down here and they stay with us, let's say, two weeks as they find their apartment. And then, uh, and then they move to another apartment. But the immigration into Tulum is dramatic. Uh, my, my background's more on the apartment space and know from an operational standpoint, things that we have to do from a social distancing standpoint to keep resident confidence. What are hospitality, uh, what is the hospitality industry and the travel industry is doing to rewin consumer confidence? Because at the end of the day, that's what really what it seems to come down to. I think, um, I think for, it starts with a with a change in mindset. No, you have to be conscious that the person that came to your hotel is as aware as everybody else that COVID is is happening. Like the argument that travelers don't care about COVID, I don't think that applies at all, at least not here. Um, so I think you need to show the guests that uh, we are aware. And the way that it starts with communication, as as, as they come into the hotel for the first time, we're gonna take the, take their temperature, make them sanitize their hands, we sanitize their luggage, then the front desk uh, agent or the concierge will uh, will explain the COVID guidelines that we have here in in Bardo, and um, we emphasize as well our benefits as a property. And to be COVID aware, to put it that way, for example, our all of our villas are standalone. They don't share. They don't share walls, so there's a distance between each villa. Also, each villa has a plunge pool and a private garden. So if they want to stay there all through their stay, they can be completely disconnected from the rest of the guests. Also, we don't have an air conditioning, uh, like a centralized air conditioning, or all all of our units are independent. And I think all those things matter at the end of the day. You just have to communicate to the guests what you've been doing. Communication is key. You know, one thing I thought was pretty funny that I came across in the last couple of weeks is, you know, on the uh, hospitality advertising front, hotel.hotels.com released a uh, ad campaign with their main guy, Captain Obvious, who's usually partying on the beach and stuff. But instead, he was just... Um, using hand sanitizer and eating popcorn by himself, which I thought was pretty funny and indicative of uh, the state of the industry. Um, but Bardo just opened in December. Is that right? That is correct. Yeah. And you had a, a little bit of a chance to be involved with development. So when we think about hotel development, what are the factors in your mind that drive success for a new hotel venture? Like to me, not knowing as much about it, I would think location, design, and operational excellence. But curious to learn from you, how do you define those success drivers and, and what's most important? I think you have it 
pretty on point. Uh, location plays a big part. Design is uh, is essential, and operational excellence makes it. The thing is, uh, how do you define operational excellence? Uh, and I think that that's where people differ. I think operational excellence is how well and how efficient they're going to be creating this emotional engagement with their guests from beginning to end um, with our guests. You know, how, how can it be as humane as possible? How real and raw the experience can be. Sure. Um, in regards to Bardo, how, how do you guys go about creating that sort of culture in a boutique and hotel environment if that is um, kind of the differentiator between the big brands and the boutiques? Well, we developed our concept very strongly, like I explained before, uh, the meaning of Pardo and uh, the importance of Day of the Dead for us in transformation. Everything has to be there. We don't ask a guest, how, how are you going or how is your stay going? We ask, how is your transformation going? When they check in, um, we make a copal uh, ceremony, cleansing ceremony. We put a journal in our guests with a pen uh, in, our, in our guests' room and a pencil for them to write their thoughts through their journey with us. Uh, we also have yoga, sound healing, uh, and temascal ceremonies throughout. Uh, so I think that's it, and that, and also connecting with the elements. We have fire everywhere. We light over 250 candles every night. We have water everywhere. And uh, in here in the, in the jungle, you feel the air and the breeze always in the ground. Yeah. Earlier, you mentioned, uh, you know, the difference between a large hotel and a, a smaller one might be 400 team members versus 40. You know, when I think operational excellence, you know, it's pretty decentralized to an extent and in the, in the hands of the team members. How do you cultivate uh, the culture within the team? Uh, I think it's it's... It's a everyday job, and I think that's as, as a general manager of the hotel. That's my main point. It's to inspire the the fellow Bordonians that I work with, uh, and I do that by just speaking about it every day from our morning briefing. That uh, that we take uh, five minutes to speak about culture. We speak about our service values or or the steps of delivery or service journey, and then um, we just we just popcorn ideas of how we can enliven that that on end, one end and also celebrating um, great great uh, achievements as a team that that gets us closer to this concept that we're chasing you know prior to covid there was a major surge of hotel development going on around the world you know i, I know in the united states dallas fort worth and new york city were the, the biggest hotel markets and then elsewhere in the world, um, a lot of hotel development. But have you seen the major industry players or through your network pivoting, given the changing landscape of consumer trends? Not really. I wouldn't say that uh, that this is connected to a brand. Um, of course, I would say the biggest, the biggest brand that is, is, is being developed is Marriott because they have over 7,000 properties. Um, but it's also depending on every region. For example, Asia Pacific is the fastest growing uh, region in the world and has been for the last three to five years. Um, but what I think it's more specific on the brand is the location. When you say location, you mean geographically or within uh, like more like yeah. setting? Well, well, both because you, you need to have a, a well-known position 
like ge geographic location and but it also has to make sense it has to be growing in the region as a whole yeah yeah i, I saw in that article about marriott's worth loss ever they said basically china and the rebound in certain markets in china have kind of been their silver lining um so it seems you know, with this, you know, people are going to have to change. How do you see hotels and hospitality changing? I know we talked a little bit about, you know, focus on experience, but, you know, are they shifting from lodging places to community gathering places? Um, are they, you know, changing purposes of their real estate? I saw the Wynth Hotel in Brooklyn is repurposing some of their guest rooms into small kind of um, creative office you know, what used to be a one or two person guest room is now a four person office that can be rented on a day to day basis. What are you seeing uh, people in the industry doing to stay creative and uh, innovative? I, I also saw that. I, I thought that was extremely creative. Um, the repurposing, I think, will happen. It's inevitable after COVID. I just don't know where the major trend will go. Um, at this point, it's just assume what will happen. I would think many, many of the hotels will shorten their keys and increase communal spaces. Uh, maybe, let's say a hotel um, has 150 keys. I think they're going to sacrifice some of those keys and create some um, like work area, like common work area, uh, because I think they're going to be expecting longer stays. Uh, for the travelers and these i mean leisure travelers so they can work from home or work from wherever they want to be spending their time and they for them to have a comfortable location where they can work uh there in the property sure will more city hotel concepts be doing anything to attract people that live in their city to use their uh facilities I think they will obviously attempt to do that. I don't know how they're going to do that, though. And it's it's quite complicated for big cities. Like, if you're going to be working from home and you're paying a $2,000 rent for not the nicest apartment in Manhattan, you're going to bounce out, or many people will. And uh, many of the people that I've met here in Tulum in the last two months in Bardo, they they're coming from Manhattan. They're coming from expensive areas of LA, such as uh, Santa Monica or Venice, and they're ready to pay one fourth of their rent and live in paradise. Barbados uh, just opened a visa that basically they give it immediately for for you to stay there and work from from paradise for one year. Um, I think that's going to happen. I think big cities are going to suffer dramatically. Hospitality speaking, for example, I have a friend. He owns a hotel in. Uh, in Polanco, in Mexico City, that, yeah. that's the nicest part of the city. Great place. Yeah, it's quite fun. Well, it was because he's now 7% occupancy. Restaurants are bleeding dramatically as well. Uh, nobody wants to be in a, in a massive city anymore. How, how is he coping, you know, with those that change in uh, market well, landscape? I, I mean, obviously, but what sort of things is he doing? Did he, did he, was he forced to lay off or furlough team members? I haven't asked directly, but I would assume so because he has a 7% uh, occupancy in the last three months. He never closed down because he has a tower, like it's a tower hotel. So he just re left one floor open. Um, and he's he, uh, what he's been doing, he had a lot of uh, event space. 
that events won't happen anymore. So it's like private offices that he's just giving away for free to the, his very few guests. Do you see, you know, they? I know they talk about it all the time in shopping malls, you know, converting into Amazon distribution centers. Is there a buzz around the industry of, you know, tower hotels or, you know, hotels that have a large footprint completely changing use? I think it's inevitable for it to happen in some areas because they would just won't be able to cope with the change that it's imminent. Uh, what will they be changing into? It's complicated to know. I don't see that happening uh, in favor of retail, maybe apartments, but people don't want to live in big cities anymore. It's a good question what's going to happen. Maybe it can happen what happened to Detroit after the automotive um, industry crash that it the, the the city was just half empty yeah potentially that would be dramatic hopefully it doesn't happen sure what do you think is gonna be the change that the hospitality industry needs to see is it a vaccine that's really going to change the game or are there incremental steps along the way that um you all have your hopes for uh the vaccine will be the main step uh, but from here to the vaccine that nobody knows when that's going to happen. Let's see what happens with this Russia vaccine. But uh, let's see when the world is ready to receive a reliable vaccine. Uh, from here to there, it's just going to be a matter of how tired are people of worrying. And they their desire to be living and I mean also exposing to the virus. Uh, but that being said, even after the vaccine, people... Like they won't forget what just happened. Social distancing will always be in our minds. It's massive. What is what we're going to wearing a mask? Everybody you see wearing a mask, you see someone and you think if you give them a handshake or you just say Namaste from afar, I don't know. It's gonna be it's gonna be with us forever, man. Yeah, I, I kinda go back and forth between the elbow and the bow myself on the social distancing front. Um you know, obviously your industry has been hit hardest, arguably, by COVID-19. Um, is there anything going on right now that gives you hope or that's a silver lining for you and your team? Uh, to be honest, boutique hospitality, we just need to be patient. I think we have the best years ahead. Once people want to travel, we are going to be the one receiving them. So we're actually, Bardo Group is thinking of developing um, at least one or two properties in the next 24 months. We're really looking into it. And uh, with the current occupation that we have, that it's definitely not ideal and it's lower than we wanted to, we still we still can suffice. It's still a profitable business, uh, at least to pay uh, OPEX and, and payroll, that it's the most important for us. Sure. Now, we, we touched on hotel development uh, a bit earlier, but when you're looking at new sites, you know, we talked about factors that drive success, but what are the factors that make it a go or no-go decision to break ground on a, a new boutique hotel? I think the factors that will matter most after, um, after COVID will be uh, standalone villas, connection with nature, excellent internet, and a strong concept, that combination of that. So obviously, Jaime, hospitality is one of the hardest hit industries by COVID-19, but is there anything going on right now that you're particularly excited about or that gives you hope? Um, well, 
I think even though hospitality is, of course, one of the greatest hit industries, I also think it's one of the most resilient people have been used to traveling uh, and often, more often than uh, 10 years ago, that it was the last crisis than before. So I think it's also going to come back strong. Uh, And what I really look forward to is uh, how boutique hospitality will bounce. And it's exciting to see how creative people will get. Uh, one of the things I like the most is uh, to think about is I, I, I see boutique hospitality as hospitality startups and people are very creative. So I'm most looking forward to that. Very good. Before I let you go, Jaime, are there any reading materials or publications that you subscribe to for listeners interested in keeping up with hospitality and hotel trends? Uh, I like to read magazines mostly, and uh, the magazines that I read the most are Travel and Leisure and Condé Nast. Um, they both have um, uh, like a, like an email being sent out weekly, and also the, in their websites you can go into the news part of, um, of them, and uh, it's interesting to see what they're writing, and I, and I like to see most their rankings, that they're constantly throwing out rankings. So let's say they rate the best 10 cities in the world. Uh, and if something I read I haven't been familiar with, I just do an independent uh, study about that region or that hotel or that whatever. And um, and you can find great, great people doing great things. So that's how I keep in the loop. You know, you've obviously had a decent crystal ball to move from, you know, we've talked about resorts, towns versus cities and boutique versus uh, corporate. Uh, what does your crystal ball say for the future of hospitality? That it's in boutique hospitality, 30 keys and less, and in very exotic places. So it's interesting, man. I think uh, the region, it's not only going to be Tulum, Ibiza, and Mykonos, and Bali. I think that people will start traveling, um, like less dense traveling in many, many places. Um, and the growth of that will be exponential compared to, to the historic numbers. Well, I look forward to keeping a pulse on that through travel and leisure and Condé Nast and uh, hope you and your team stay safe down in Tulum. And thanks again for coming on the show. Thank you, man. Thank you for having me. It's been great to be here. Yeah. Cheers, my friend. Talk soon. Talk soon.